Welcome to the Green Up Academy podcast with Alex Kirby, where we focus on helping you level up your green industry business. Whether it's marketing, finance, employees, or strategy, we talk about everything on this show to help you apply it to your business and change your family and company's future for decades to come. Here's your host, Alex Kirby. What is going on, everybody? This is Alex Kirby, and you are listening to the new Green Up Podcast, a podcast for green industry professionals where we talk about business, marketing, finance, and everything going on in the green industry. Sometimes I talk with just me, talk to myself. That sounds weird if I talk to myself. Um, But then I talk to other great professionals across the country and across the world. And so today on the show, we've got two brothers who are in the business. We've got Corey and Tyler Singer from, is that San Antonio, boys? Is that where we're from? Yes, sir. A little bit north of San Antonio in Bolverde, Texas. Uh, Spring Ranch is where we are based. Awesome. I have never been there, but sounds pretty cool. Um, remember the Alamo? That would be the claim uh, to fame for San Antonio. Gosh. David Crockett, that whole story. I, but it's, yeah, it's a small little building, not as exciting as you'd think. And that's still, that's still pretty cool because Texas has no state income tax. That is correct. So that's what we like. But um, So, guys, I just want to kind of have a conversation, not necessarily an interview, um, I was talking to Corey, you on social media, and you said some things that perked my interest that I think our listeners, other pros are going to learn from. Our goal is to educate on the business side and um, and have interesting conversations. We can agree, disagree. Let's have a debate. I'm ready for it. But tell me a little bit about, uh, actually, I'm going to start with asking four fire questions, and you just answer them without going into long answers, okay? Very good. All right. I want to know... Um, Years in business, then revenue, uh, expected revenue 2023, and revenue in 2022, so people know growth, and then number of employees. So very good. So a little over seven years in business started as soon as I graduated college. Okay. Um, second question, revenue would be $2.6 million is where she would finish out this year. Awesome. Last year was right above $1.9 million. No way. It's sick. And then current employees would be 14 14 or 15, I believe. I'd have to check, yeah. Including so, both, including yourselves? Yes, yes, sir. So you're you're doing 2.6 with 12 people in the field? Yes. Wow, dude, that is awesome. Okay, that is fantastic. Thank you for that so we can work off that. So tell me, give me the 30 to 45 second, you know, quick story about, not quick, you know, 30 seconds, but give me yeah. the quick story about how did you start this business and why did you start this business? And then kind of talk a little bit about the business so people have context of what you guys do. Yeah. So my brother and I did this part-time through high school and college, um, just kind of as a passive income thing. Hey, I've got some extra time. Let me mow my neighbor's lawns. See when we were up in San Marcos at Texas State, or let me make some money during the summer when we weren't training for football. Mm-hmm. So just we grew up on five acres, just knew how to mow grass. So I figured, hey, that's a start. Um, went to college. Both of us went to Texas State, got business degrees. I'm two years ahead of my brother. And I had a mentor that sat down with me and handed me a book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he said, yeah. I need you to read this. Right. Meet. Yep. And about 30, you know, we're going to meet in 10 days and we're going to talk about this. I had two other offers coming out of college. I had an HR background in management. So both those offers, I followed through through all the interviews, but ended up turning them down uh, with the support of my family, my wife. Well, not my wife, girlfriend at the time, but yeah. and parents and brother. They said, why don't you just try this? You have no kids. You have no debt. 
um, just start a business and let's see what happens. So I started with two family friends saying, you can mow my lawn. So two accounts is where we started. By the end of that first year, I grossed from June when I graduated to December, I think I did $66,000. Sweet. That's good. So not very much. Uh, it's not, well, it's not, bad for, not bad for six months. No, not bad for six months starting out. Um, and we were purely just mowing lawns. So, mm-hmm. enough, you know, I could throw the occasional bag of mulch here and there. I would. But it was purely, let's just see how many accounts I can grow. So, that's kind of a quick rundown of how we started the Perfect. So, okay. So, you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki, great book. Um and I haven't read it all the way through. It's actually on my list, but you guys know, I think we talked about this. I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. Um, not 100%, but 95% agree. Um, would Robert Kiyosaki agree that consumer debt's bad, but business debt is good? Or what, what's his philosophy on debt, I guess, on that level? Essentially, yes, kind of what you just said in a nutshell. His thought was, is if I want to go buy a fancy sports car, let me not go figure out how do I make this payment on this Corvette. Let me create a business stream of revenue that pays for that it. Can then help offset. Yes, yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I okay. can fund my hobbies, so to speak. That makes sense. Kind of okay, that's what I thought because I've watched some YouTube videos with him and Hermosi and stuff. Um, so that makes sense. So okay, so tell me a little bit about you guys are at two point six million. That is insane especially for how many employees you have so break down the service offerings here how much percentage wise would you guess it doesn't have to be exact uh maintenance how much hardscape how much landscaping so we can pull up the spreadsheet here oh spreadsheets we have um about 120 residential accounts a couple hoas okay that's only about what did we say 200 not even 10% of our revenue. Not even 10%. I'd say right underneath $200,000 we'll do in purely maintenance. So that's your mow, blow, and go, yep. you know, spray the leaves, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, we just started, got a licensed irrigator on staff, bottom of truck. That's a also very small portion. We were stubbing that out previously, but now we're handling a lot of our installs and repairs in the house. Your turf so for, for, uh, for irrigation? Irrigation, yes, sir. Yep. Okay, got yep. it. So we've added that portion. That's probably a very small portion. That might be... Five, yeah. five, seven percent. Right okay. What we're showing right now, um, the huge chunk of our business is purely new installs. So where we're at, we're in the San Antonio market. It's, it's emerging. It's pushing outside of Loop sixteen oh four, which kind of contains San Antonio previously. Yeah. And we're in a high end area where people are coming in from out of state. COVID was a big push for their building high end homes, and they're yeah. You know, we're landscaping million to one and a half million, you know, dollar homes, essentially, and, and they're spending anywhere from. 20 to 30 on the low side up to a hundred thousand dollars on landscape front and backyard. So, okay. So this is awesome for our audience to hear. Is that that you made an agreement with a home builder and got those leads or you're getting those leads as you're seeing them built one off, one off, one off. Purely one off. Wow. So we've, um, yeah, it's, it's all been word of mouth. We don't have a single truck wrapped minus our irrigation trucks. Oh my gosh. We have a small social media presence that my brother just started pushing this year that we kind of wanted to grow in that aspect. But it's it's literally 90% of our business is word of mouth. I wow. was funny today working on it. We did a $13,000 project. The customer liked us, recommended it to his boss, and now we're bidding on a $60,000 project. It's, it's been a pure snowball effect of let me take care of the small customer, do a really good job, and it – reflects and it builds and people want to work with us. I mean, well, that's been our experience. Well, you're, you're kind of proving there's two thoughts to this. And, and I'm a big believer, like I own a marketing company called Pure Marketing. We do a lot of green industry stuff for people, websites, SEO, all that. 
But what I tell people is that it, it's really a melting pot, right? Is that mm-hmm. word of mouth is super important because if P, it, it is the original Google, people trust people who tell them they do people do a great job. So like you've already won the battle there. If, if their neighbor friend can look at it and be like, Oh, these guys were great. Then they already see your product and they're told your product's great. So duh, you're going to get the job right. But for the marketing side, so you're telling me you guys don't have like a 5% marketing standard budget. We do not. And that's something we're going to push this next year. We probably spent 2% on marketing, maybe not even. Yeah. I think I was telling you last night, in our five years of business, in fact, let me just give you that actual figure. Wow. It's going to be a small dollar amount. It's like a I know, but you're going to shock me. Probably $25,000 we spent on pure that's marketing. Ama- that's, ama- you know? that's amazing. No pun intended, right? Um, <laughs> so, okay, so that's insane. And are you – so when I – because what I teach people, and because I'm not a used car salesman, is like your marketing budget should be about 5% and 3% of it should be for online and 2% of it should be for for like traditional stuff, right? So like truck wraps and uniforms and like all that, brochures and all that, right? Right. So you're saying that like you did all this – without almost any of that is that are you at capacity and that's one reason why you're not pushing marketing or like you've just had some like what's the reason just didn't need to or didn't it's it's mixed use in there part of it is we wanted comfortable growth that's controllable i've talked to a lot of business owners that took on things that made them got out of their comfort zone i love that either lacked or just overall efficiency of the company so we'd rather kind of take on you know i'm not saying drink out of a fire sure but you know, bite off what we can manageably chew and continue to have healthy growth. We don't ever want to go to the point where we're just kind of, you know, above our heads. I want to, I want to pause and hit on that because one, like looking, I've done a lot of reflecting the last like 10 weeks since I sold my business and we were very similar story to yours, seven years growing fast. We could have done 2 million last year. We did just under it. Cause I, I think I was telling you off air, I cut some accounts to do that. Uh, cause I was going to try to go, I was like 70, 30 maintenance and I would say like 25% residential, 45% was commercial, but I was trying to get, I was trying to move towards like 50, 50 maintenance to fit and then like installs. And so I kind of like took a step back to try to take a step forward. But the thing that I realized was that I was taking on too big of jobs on the installs that we were trying to grow on. So like to your point, I agree with that a million percent. I wish I'd only accepted like up to $30,000 jobs for the first year to get really good at them rather than Mm -hmm. take on a 50 and a 60 and a $70,000 one and do a mediocre job. And so I just, you know, to our listeners, um, you know, we, we, on my down to business, we have several, several hundred listeners. So it's not five people just so you guys know, I didn't tell you all that. Um, It's important to hear that. And I really appreciate you saying that because Reflecting back, I didn't really make a ton of big mistakes, but I made like five mediocre ones. And that was one of mine. That was one of my big ones. And so, okay, that's awesome. So your goal for next year, what's the kind of future goal? So so one of the things I talk about a lot is like setting um, realistic expectations, but make them really hard to reach. Meaning like realistic, but like let's stretch ourselves. So what's kind of the plan for next year? Ideally, I mean, like I said, three million would be like a bottom line for me in a, in a perfect world. Now, 
looking at what the economy holds next year with an election year, I'm yeah. not sure where that happens if people hold on to their money tighter, you know, what that does for us. The big boom for us was COVID tremendously helped. We had a lot of clients move from out of state with money. Yep. And then just the growth in our area. And what I'm noticing with um, interest rates, potentially, if housing slows down, these new construction homes slow down, then that could adversely affect, you know, our potential revenue. And, you know, if there's only 50 houses being built in our area instead of 300, yeah. you know, that could have potential. So, so we're trying to analyze the market, see how we can adjust if we need to work our way back into more commercial stuff. Yeah. It's a little more steady. Um, we've, we're already kind of making those moves and trying to figure out how we can set ourselves up for so, so I love to I love to um, bounce a couple ideas off of you on how to, like, yeah. get more customers um, – in those situations, have you guys ever targeted those new builds without just word of mouth? Really, we haven't. We have directed areas of, I can say my brother would handle that more, the Facebook targeting. But yeah. honestly, the biggest thing for us was getting our foot in some of these neighborhoods, honestly, is start with whatever you can get. Yeah. Like my first project in the, let's call it a million plus neighborhood, yeah. was only maybe $10,000, $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Get in there. Do a good job. Get recommended because I it truthfully led, and I can tell you there's three neighborhoods where most of our work comes from. Neighbor neighborhood face, yeah, neighborhood Facebook pages, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, all. Purely, we went on a bid yesterday, and the same thing was you were recommended multiple times by yeah. you know, other members in this community. Awesome. That's why we had you come out and meet with us. I love I that. Well, one thing I was going to suggest that. Um, that I think a lot of people could learn from is if you made a door hanger that was specific to the new builds. And you went around to those neighborhoods and left it on the either the mailbox if it's in there or on um, the door if they've already got it framed up, right? Um, not framed up, but, you know, almost to install, whatever the case right. may be. I would make a specific door hanger just for these new st- installs and say, hey, we're kind of the people of the neighborhood. Like, make it really personal. Um, yeah. We've done 10 houses in this neighborhood. Like, make it very specific. And we'd lo- and we'd love to make you number eleven. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's an idea that could be kind of cool. Um, I wanted to you know on this show I like talking about strategic marketing stuff and ba- bouncing ideas off of each other because like one of the we all have a good ideas. I'm going to ask you a good one. And I'm going to ask you for your opinion in a second. But like one of the best things I ever did for my market, there was a neighborhood that is exactly like you're saying in South Carolina. It's a little bit cheaper, but let's call it half a million dollar homes, and it's sort of frowned upon to walk around that neighborhood and try to pass stuff out. So I was like, man, how can I get these people? So what I ended up doing is I got all the addresses off Google uh, Maps. Uh, I had a girl, I paid her for a whole day to like write down the addresses on an Excel sheet. And then we hand wrote notes to everyone in that neighborhood. And so we got, you know, 10 lawns in that neighborhood at $400 a month. So like, so that's where I got the idea from is like, man, if you could target them specifically, um, and, and just kind of preach how you're the source of that, you know, Facebook groups. And, you know, some people, when they get into the house, they're not in the Facebook group yet. Right. Exactly. So, yep. so that might be a cool idea. What's been an interesting thing you have done marketing that's worked. Um, I, something I've ran into is uh, Google local services ads. Mm. A lot of people haven't even heard of it. They know about Google ads, which I've tried to mess with. It's, it's a bit complicated. Sure. Um, but but there's another subset of Google ads called Google local services ads. And that will let you, you get Google verified. They do like a background check on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they check your reviews. They, they want you to have, I believe above like a four star review. But once you have that, anytime someone Googles, you know, 
landscaper near me, the businesses that are Google verified pop up in a special box. Of hey, one second, one second. My guy's coming here with a llama or being a dummy. Hold on. <laughs> you hear it? Hold on. Hey, I'm filming a pod. Sorry, I'm filming a podcast. Try to be quiet. <laughs> it's all right. You're good, man. All right, anyways, keep going. Yeah, so um, the, the Google local services ads, if, if someone Googles uh, what's, you know, best landscaper near me, yep. uh, if you're Google verified through this Google local services ad, you'll actually pop up above the website listings and even above the people who are using the Google ad themselves. Oh, wow. where it shows like the sponsored link, you, you yeah. actually populate above that. So, and that's, it's honestly super inexpensive. I think, you know, you can set a budget what it is per lead, but most of the time it's, you know, $25, $30 tops. So and, it's, so know, it's basically, uh, what is that? Not Angie's list, but, um, a home advisor. It's Google home advisor. Essentially. Yeah. But you know, you're, you're not getting charged by some random people for just, you know, better or worse leads. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It sounds cool. People calling you, you get to feel the call see if it's for you and and that's been a really easy way for for people to learn about us so that's great and, and it's more so you know smaller services and it's very good for irrigation and lawn care i don't i don't think off the top of my head we've gotten more than like three or four paper installs off of that um but that i think that is a very achievable way for a lot of guys in the industry to grow um, they're, they're long routes. I love that. All right, let's get to issues you guys have faced. Has there been a lot of them? It depends how you want to define an issue. Well, let's, honestly. let's define it. Um, let's say things that continue to be, uh, let's, let's say yellow flags that just keep happening penalty after penalty, so to speak, uh, employees, uh, supply and demand, supplies, vendor relations. Like, let's talk through what are some of the challenges you guys have faced. Quick touch on vendor relations. I can tell you this, and I would tell it to anyone in our industry: be the guy that walks in and you don't present a problem. You're you're you present a smiley face, and I can tell you it's come to the point where some of our vendors they're not even really supposed to recommend us, but they say, hey, every time these guys walk in, this is what they verbatim told us: y'all have a smile, y'all are easygoing, you're fun guys. I like you. I recommend you guys. And they're selling to a hundred other landscapers, but for some reason they've picked us out of the bunch. That's cool. So it's, it's purely, it's like, you know, every interaction is, is an interaction. It needs to matter. And you need to make a specific point to learn people's name. Um, like I said, give them a positive experience. Even if you're, if you're just buying rock from them, buying sod from them, um, you know, they know you and guess what, when you do need a favor, you, most of the time our suppliers will come through for us because you're like, Hey, you're my easiest going. Yeah. I will absolutely help you out with that and that would be my biggest recommendation is you know take do the little things write them a handwritten note buy them some donuts one day on a slow day i mean it's those little things where you stick out and it's it's going to help you down the road somewhere along the way so that's that, those bridges, don't burn them. That, you know, that's a great that's a that's a great point how tell me about your employees i'm guessing you know hispanic latino is that like that's an assumption because of where your location is is that true Somewhat, yes, but to be honest, the thing that separates us out here specifically is the opposite effect of my brother and neither of us speak fluent Spanish. So that being said, we hired a lot of just English speakers, a lot of, uh, you know, white guys. So we have, yes, some guys who are both bilingual and speak English and English. It's probably 50-50, so between Hispanic and uh, just English, you know, 
And unless and like here's the thing that people don't always want to admit, like, bro, those guys work so hard. They do. Like, and they and they're and you know, for us here, like we just had a policy where we only had a couple my employees, like I said, I had about eighteen in the field, um, in the full season, and then we went down to like thirteen or fourteen in the off season. But um as long as they were e verified, I was cool with it. So, you know, for me it's like it's a really weird time right now with, you know, the border is a problem. Are you guys experiencing that, by the way? Are you experiencing some issues from the border being so open? So I can tell you, like, San Antonio News, you'll hear there's a semi-truck getting pulled over with, you know, they're transporting 18 people in the cab. They've got a truckload. I mean, unfortunately, just not a month ago, um, in a Walmart parking lot, a guy abandoned a truck, and they had 60 immigrants pass away because they overheated and died in the back of a tractor trailer. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, we, I mean, I can drive to the border in less than three hours, depending on which section of the border I want to get to. So is do we see people walking around in our, our area, you know, that just came from the border? Absolutely not. But, you know, you can drive closer towards the border. Eagle Pass is not far from San Antonio, and you'll yeah. start seeing those effects of what is actually taking place it, over there. So. It, it's crazy. Um, you know, this is not a political statement at all, but it's just a simple fact of you don't let – people into your kid's school that they don't you don't know right like and yet we let people into our country who do we don't know and who aren't vetted that's not a good idea um that's a that's an apolitical conversation it's just not wise to do that so we've got to get that fixed but uh that we you know the latino hispanic community in the green industry is absolutely crucial i I mean our, our our industry would literally um blow up you know it would yeah. it would not happen without those people, and uh, they are awesome. My aunt was from from Mexico, and she immigrated here when she was five years old, and um, she was one of the hardest working people I knew. She actually passed, but yeah. So I learned a lot about that culture from her because she spoke fluent Spanish, and she always mm-hmm. made made jokes that I didn't understand and made fun of me, and yeah. it was cool. But uh, <laughs> no, I can tell you, it's been a huge help bringing in because when I first started, I wouldn't even hire. Like I just couldn't even get that kind of talent. Yeah. Now I've got, like I said, three guys that are bilingual, and it's awesome having them because then it helps me communicate with some of my subs that are not so strong sure. speakers as well. And so. and it's funny how the Hispanic community is because once you have a, a few of them on your staff, they know everybody else, and it's like, yeah. I'm sure I, that was the next question I was going to go to is like how's how has employees been for you guys? And tell me a little bit about, do you guys pay weekly? Do you work on 50 hours? Like what's your, have you had a good track record, not good track record? And what are some of your like employee hiring practices? Honestly, we set um, stuff up on Indeed to kind of get people to apply from there. We do a phone interview, then Mm -hmm. we have a face-to-face. What's been happening that's done really well for us lately is because before I didn't know anyone, didn't know anyone in the industry. So it's hard to get any kind of talent. Now what's happening is we hire one guy from another company. He says, yeah. Hey, this I'm having a way better experience than what I had previously at X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Can I, ha- I have a friend who wants to interview. Can he come out? Absolutely. So it's gotten actually easier in the sense of acquiring the type of talent, the type of hustle. Cause we have a strong culture fit here where it's like, yeah. Hey, we're, we, we do not smoke on site. We I try to get my all my guys to quit smoking. It's an unhealthy habit. And yeah. It's a bad look. And it's not even safe around gasoline or diesel and all the equipment we use. Amen to that. So um, it's one of those things where we're trying to flip the coin on the sense of what do I expect as a standard, you know, lawn care landscape provider, you know, and it speaks volumes in the sense of our customers can yeah. say all of your guys are respectful. 
they are easy to work with. Um, it's, it's all about those little things that just sets us apart from the guys who look like you just pick somebody up at Home Depot. What's the, you know, uh, what's the thought on four tens? Cause I, if you guys I, don't know, I'm a I big proponent on that. And I saw that, I'm a um, big what pro- we've been trying to do yeah. is, uh, we're definitely hitting overtime in that sense. And then we add right. whatever, how many hours on Friday happens. So that might be five tens. Yeah. You know, generally we're hitting 43 to 44 hours a week for the crews. Um, and just depending on the needs of the job, you know, if we have, if we have a job that we have to travel a little farther away, it naturally just, you know, bleeds into more hours, sure. but we're, we're hitting about 45. We try to keep Fridays easy. And even if they're not going to be a shorter day, we, we certainly make them a, a not as intensive Stressful. job. We, st- um, we started doing um, a couple things on okay. that and we started doing where we would tell the guys by Thursday when they clocked out, if they were going to work Friday or Thursday by noon, Mm-hmm. so that they because here's here's the problem is like as we as you get bigger and we get bigger and or we got bigger but you're already past us in revenue but what i'm saying is i talk to guys who have big companies it's hard like these guys can't run errands if they're working five tens like right. when are they supposed to get a haircut when are they supposed to yeah. be able to go buy a t-ball bat for their kid right mm-hmm. and so i started getting you know kind of that and so what i would try to do is go okay by thursday at noon i should know if I need them to work tomorrow. So I would say, Hey, they would know, like we'd send out an alert at lunchtime. Like, Hey, this person has to work this, whatever. Right. Um, and we would do it in like rotation. So you would, you would be the first offered the first week or second offered the next. Right. And then, so that would be cool if we could get them off on Fridays because now if they wanted the hours, like there'd be a priority list. So like the most senior guy would get the first option most of the time. But in reality, I just think that as the green industry gets keeps going forward, working four tens for hourly people and then like for salary or foreman or something, you know, every other Friday off maybe. And maybe that's the answer, but um, we just have to give a better lifestyle to our workers. And that was what I was trying to do is like 50 hours of manual labor in the sun is just not a good recipe. Yeah, it, it's wearing. And, and and then on top of that, like I said, you know, I, I teach T-ball for my daughter, right? And her practice is at 530. So, like, no way before that. Like, there's no one in your field that could feel yeah. like they were going to make every practice. Absolutely. So that way they could never coach. So it was like, yeah. man, it's just – that's just not cool. You know, we want – like, um, I heard a guy talk about uh, – I'm in a business group, and he would talk and said, I want – I give a bonus of $300 a year to anybody that does community service or coaching, because I want my name out there that these employees are at their kids games and out in the community. And I thought that was a really cool idea. Oh, absolutely. And um, so, so that's something that, you know, it's not avoidable because of weather, right? Like that's the worst part of our industry is we're so weather dependent. Yes. Not the worst, but one of the worst parts. And so it's not always avoidable, but even if they get off at 2.30 or 3 o'clock on Fridays, you know, and, and during the yes. growings, even if the growing season is, hey, we work four tens, and then on Fridays, you know, we work till 2 o'clock. Um, yep. That's not a bad thing either. So I'm, in, I'm always interested to ask people what they do because 
when I hear a guy say, no, nah, we work sun up to sundown and Saturdays, I'm like, dude, yeah, it's not no. like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah, no, we learned it's not sustainable. And we have been targeting that goal of let's try to get the guys off, at, you know, by two o'clock, three o'clock, sometime, yeah. something earlier. So they do have, you know, a little bit of available time on that Friday. And the guys, it really enjoys it and honestly helps pick up productivity. Uh-huh. My theory was go, go, go. My brother coming from uh, kind of a different industry. He worked at USAA. And sure. Kind of did the more normal, typical 40-hour days. He was like, you know, they don't all have to be 10, 11, 12-hour days. And sure. That's what I was used to when I started because that's what it took sure. to get the ball rolling. Sure. So we've kind of definitely implemented that. And especially in our Texas heat, like my guys, one hours in the summer, I usually won't give it to them because I do not want them out there on Saturday and Sunday yeah. in the heat again when we're already out there 40, 50 hours, you know, Monday through Friday. So a so, couple last questions, guys. This has been amazing. What's uh? Do you guys have core values? Like, what are some of the culture things you guys do? Do you have a mission statement? Core values? Do you guys have speakers come in? Like, because uh, I don't know this answer, so this to our audience, I haven't like pre-asked you guys this stuff. Tell me a little bit about what you guys do to build culture, um, stuff like that. I can tell you, we were instilled with three core values, and it's from our our local school here, Smith Valley. We played football, and that's going to be class, discipline, and effort. Mm -hmm. And it's not written on a single wall in this office. It's not printed on anything, but it's we've had culture. I call them culture conversations, where it's, hey guys, we had this experience. This didn't go the way we planned it. We need to, you know, we don't want to rub the customer the wrong way. Yeah. And those those three values will go with me to the grave. And it's, you know, class is let's be respectful to everybody we can be. Um, let's look presentable. Um, mm-hmm. It comes down to those things of presentation is key. Discipline is, hey, even though you might not want to do the right thing or there's a quicker way to do something or maybe we can get our way out of doing something that was promised to a customer, that's having discipline and doing yeah. the right thing when no one's watching. Yeah, that's good. So, and then uh, effort obviously is, I can tell you this, we've, uh, we get subbed out by some bigger landscape companies in our area. And I've put my guys side by side, literally across the road. And I, their job was the exact same job as my crew. And I said, guys, and I'm, I'm confident, not cocky in the sense of, Hey, I know what our output is. Let's, you know, it was, it turned into a fun little game. And I can tell you, we outpaced a much larger commercial company in that sense of how mm. much work we got done. And th- the guys were blown away and one of the guys walked across the street and said, are y'all hiring? Uh, wow. I told him no, because I don't poach. Yeah. But no. I said, you know, it was just that experience, and my guys enjoyed it. They walked away and said, you know, it was it was a little competition, something fun, something That's different. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not. A, I wasn't a poacher either. I would. I would recommend putting a, up the core values like on a board. We used to. I, I'll, if you go, I'll send you the post. But we ended up making a really nice board, and we would have our team meetings kind of in this room, and it was on the board. And every meeting on Monday mornings, we would go over one of the core values and like highlight someone that represented one of the core values. So that might be something cool to add in if you're not doing that yet. Is is make a core values member of the week type thing. And uh, give them a gift card or something like that, you know. Yes. But um, that that's something to to think about. Well, guys, it sounds like your business is incredible. If I'm gonna give you kind of in, wrap up this um episode, I kind of want you to give one minute of what you would tell a guy who is listening right now, who's stuck at a hundred grand, stuck at one fifty, or doesn't really know where to go from here. What would you tell them um, on how to green up, which is, you know, the reason why we call it green up is uh, level up your green industry business. How would you tell them to level up? For me, it's answer the phone. Unfortunately, you know, you do get busy. There's bids that I just don't want to go on or I think, hey, that doesn't have a lot of potential, but sometimes you just got to make yourself show up, Mm. put on a smiling face, get that estimate as quick as you can. We call it, you know, I call it strike time is 
when do they call? How quickly can I get to you? How quickly can I meet with you? Yeah. How quickly can I present you a bid? How quickly can I get you on the schedule? And mm-hmm. that, that tells you that I can tell you that will separate you farther than so many people. Cause at playground industry, I hear it from every customer I go on to estimate with. Well, I had three guys come out, yeah. four guys come out, two of them, you know, showed up. One of them gave me a bid, you know, and that's why you're getting the job. Cause yeah. you actually gave me a legitimate price. Right. What's the so, CR, what's your CRM of choice? Uh, we use Jobber. Yeah, Jobber. Um, Solid. Yep. It's for scheduling and estimating, and then we use QuickBooks for all our back of house accounting, um, software, time same, tracking, same. that kind of stuff. Who do you, who do you use for bu- who do you use for bookkeeping? Uh, we do it in house, but then we also have an accountant that does end of year taxes, and we kind of meet with them. Yeah, local CPA that helps cool. with quarterly um, stuff. You guys seem like you're on top of it. That's why I want to call you guys. I'm super impressed. Singer Services, right? Singer Services Singer, out Singer in Services, yes, sir. San Antonio, Texas. Thank you yes, guys sir. so much for being on the Green Up Podcast where we talk about how green professionals can level up their businesses and level up in life. I appreciate you guys. Make sure that you guys go check them out on Instagram, wherever else. We're going to put everything in the show notes. Make sure you leave us a five-star review and be excited for more stuff like this. We appreciate them. You guys are crushing it, guys. I mean that. And uh, thank you for making the industry look good by being professional and being good people. See you next time, guys.